Hi everybody, it's Andrew Sampson with Ross Video and in today's tutorial we're going to talk about creating and applying materials in Expression. So this is an introduction to using materials. Um, some pretty basic principles we're going to cover today but a really important part of the entire Expression workflow. Um, materials are going to be something that you use all of the time. They are ne necessary to make virtually any graphical template in Expression. So to start off with uh, we're going to create an object. The basic relationship you always have to remember is an object, in order for you to have a material, it must be applied to an object. Or in order to see a material, it must be applied to an object. So they're two distinct pieces, but they usually come together in a single place. And that's when you apply a material to an object. So we're going to create uh, a quad to start with. So here's our quad object. Uh, move this object around, we can change its rotation, scale, pivot, etc. So we see our object in the object manager called quad1. Now in order to build a material we have to open up a window called the material manager. And you can get to the material manager by hitting control M on your keyboard or by going to the material manager tab on the right hand side of the screen. You'll see material manager. Um, the material manager can also be a floating window so we can actually um, pin this window and then it just becomes a floating window like any other interface uh, in expression or if we go back to our default layout it stays docked on the right hand side and just by clicking on that tab it'll deploy and if we click away it'll slide back so here's our material manager now in the material manager you can set materials up into different folders um, I highly recommend that you do this simply because uh, materials that you create will often be used for different purposes. So for instance, you may make a folder for videos and then you may also make a material folder for images. And then maybe you just want to have a material folder for surfaces like solid colors. So we'll call this surfaces. As you select these folders, um, the individual bins are displayed on the right-hand side. So videos, images, surfaces. Whichever folder you have selected is the one that you will be working in at that given time. So if I select surfaces, I'm now working in the surfaces folder. And if I right-click in the surfaces folder and make a new material, it will be created in that folder. So here's the material editor. And just quickly to get back to that, to create that new material, there's a few ways you can do this. You can right click and select new material or you can hit the new material button up at the top of the material manager. I prefer to just right click and say new material. And that'll open up the material editor. Now it's a good idea to name your materials as you go along. For instance, if I was going to make a red material, I would call this red. Now materials are made up of layers. And those layers can all hold various shaders. And we'll get to shaders a little later on in this lesson. But in essence, these layers are what you use to dictate the default color or the base color for your material. So on layer one, I can set my diffuse color to red and I'll wind up with this red material. But you notice that there's <clears throat> four other color channels here that you can adjust. I've got diffuse, ambient, emissive, and specular. So what are the differences between these? Well, the majority of these colors are multiplicative, meaning that they react to different types of light in your scene. And they're only visible under certain types of light. So for instance, your diffuse color 
is only visible under diffuse light and your ambient color is only visible under ambient light and your specular is only visible under specular light light so don't think of these as necessarily just a color palette that you can mix and match because these are all dependent on there being a specific type of light in your scene so how do we know what kind of light we have in our scene well if we go to our light object and by default anytime you create a new expression scene it will have a light source in it and by default that is a directional light so if you look at the directional light object and we go to the directional light tab in the object inspector you'll see that currently we are emitting diffuse light from this object uh, with a luminance value of 100 we're emitting specular light at a luminance value of 60 and we're emitting ambient light at a luminance value of 0 so basically we have diffuse light we have specular light and we have no ambient light so what does that mean for us well if we go back to our material and we want to apply this to the object so let's go ahead and do that um, first step to doing any kind of material application is you want to first select the object that you want to apply the material to and this also works for multiple selections so if I had more than one object in my scene for instance if I also had a torus I could select both objects by holding down the control key or the shift key in the object manager and making those selections now if I double click on my material it applies it to both objects so I have a red material on the quad and I have red material on the torus now the only reason we see that red material is because there is diffuse light in my scene to reveal the diffuse color which has been applied to this material so to illustrate my point if I go to the ambient material and I change that or the ambient color on this material and I change it to blue in our material preview we see this purple mix we're seeing the blue mix with the red and we're getting this purple hue all right but we don't see that in our scene and the reason we don't see that is because currently this directional light is not emitting any ambient light if I adjust this value and start increasing the luminance for our ambient light source now all of a sudden we see our ambient color alright so it's important to understand the relationship between those um, every material layer that you work with is going to have these four color channels that you can adjust and you'll need to understand the relationship between them and light in your scene now your specular color is basically a highlight color it allows you to create a specular highlight on your object so oftentimes as a specular highlight people will use white because it gives you this white sheen now on a flat surface it kind of just looks like a wash but on a rounded surface or a curved edge you're gonna see that highlight and how it falls off across the edge so basically wherever the light is most direct on the object is where you're going to see the most intensity in the specular highlight and of course if we increase the amount of specular light in the scene the more intense that specular highlight gets the more we multiply that color and of course you can adjust the color of your specular highlight which will give you different effects right we can make it blue we can make it green whatever you want or just leave it as white now the wild card here is the emissive color the emissive color is the only color channel that does not react to light in your scene it is visible regardless of there being light so what do I mean by that well if I start adding an emissive color and I'll add an emissive color of green 
Now we see this green color mixing with our red and mixing with our specular, and it's giving us some pretty funky colors going on right now in our scene. Now, the only reason we see all of this mixing is because my light source is revealing the diffuse and the specular, and my emissive is, is bleeding through all of that. Now, if I turn off my light object, if I turn off the directional light, all we see is the emissive color. And notice how we lose any sense of depth on these objects. Now, the reason for that is an emissive color is being emitted from your object or from the material. So because that, that color is essentially radiating out of the object, you lose any sense of depth because we're, we no longer see light falling off across the surface. So we can't really tell that this torus has any curved edges because it's being illuminated from within. Sort of like a lampshade effect, if you will. All right, so that's your emissive color, your specular diffuse ambient, and of course, these all react to light. Important to understand that. Every layer also has an alpha value where you can adjust the transparency of the material, which in turn affects the transparency of the object, or at least appears to affect the transparency of the object. But there's two, well, there's one very big difference here. If you affect the transparency of your material, or of this material layer, it is only affecting this layer. So if there was more than one layer applied to this material, you're only affecting this one layer's um, transparency. Whereas if I affect the transparency of the entire object, it's going to affect the transparency of any material that may be assigned to it as well, including all of the layers within that material. So there is a distinct difference there. All right. So that's the basics of, of creating a material, assigning colors, understanding what your diffuse, ambient, emissive, and specular colors are for. Um, also, you can change what color palette you're working with. You can use hue, saturation, luminance, or you can switch to RGB mode. So whichever you're more comfortable with, the default is hue, saturation, luminance. Now, we have lighting and fill options as well, and we have blend options. And we have color channel output options for every material layer as well. We're going to get to these in a later, material, uh, later tutorial on materials where we start dealing with masking and we start dealing with blending modes. But for now, we're going to skip over those and we'll carry on with some more material basics. But feel free to experiment with those. Um, those of you who are familiar with blending modes in Photoshop or After Effects will probably start to see the similarities um, inside of expression and in these materials. So we'll move along. So we've basically made um, a material, a red material with some specular highlights on it. Now, what if we want to start incorporating assets into our scene? Well, anytime you want to incorporate video or images or live inputs into an expression scene, that all happens as a material. All of that material is brought in um, through this process. So I'm going to go ahead and make a new scene, and we're going to start with some new objects. So I'll create a quad. And we'll go into our material manager and we'll make a new material. Now again, we, we're presented with the exact same interface. We have our material editor, we have layer one. Now on every individual material layer, you can also assign what are called shaders. So inside the material editor, in this list on the left-hand side, you essentially, uh, what you have here is you have two different options. You have add a new layer to this material and you have the option to add a new shader to the current layer. So that's what we're gonna do right now. Now next to that button, there's a drop-down menu, and if you select that, it'll show you all of the different shaders that we can create 
um, or apply uh, to this material. So I'm going to select texture. And a texture is any kind of 2D asset. It could be a JPEG, a PNG, a TIFF, a Targa, a PSD, virtually any kind of still image format we can use as a 2D texture. So we'll select texture. Where it says file name, there's a browse button, and you can go search for a specific texture to use. Now, you have to make sure that you have the correct elements selected here in the list. If I have layer selected, it shows me the layer options. And if I have texture selection selected, it shows me the texture options. So make sure you have the correct element um, selected here. And we'll go to file name and we'll go browse. Now, by default, um, expression looks within its project folder and specifically within the images folder of your project whenever you browse for a texture. Now, conveniently, through the magic of television, I have already populated my images folder with a bunch of different images. So I have a bunch of items to choose from. <clears throat> but in practice, what you will most likely want to do is take whatever images you're working with. Maybe someone hands you a hard drive or you're pulling things off an FTP site or however those files get to you. And you'll want to move them into this images folder just to keep things neat and tidy and just to have a consistent path to go looking for your, your base assets in your, uh, in your project. So I can go ahead and select an image and we can select, you know, anything we want. Uh, we'll go ahead and grab this uh, picture of the Canadian flag. And if we hover our mouse over that asset, the um, texture explorer will give us a few different bits of information here. For instance, it tells us the dimensions are 1181 by 788 and the size of the file and also the type of file it is in this case it is a jpeg i believe so we will pick okay and that will assign that texture to our material so essentially we're now wrapping our material with this texture that we've created we can also change the preview mode here as well from a cube sphere to a quad and this will give us a flat perspective now here is the cool part so my image is 1181 by 788 and the quad that I've created is 480 by 270. So a very convenient default behavior and expression is whenever you're using a quad object and you assign a material to it, the first time you do this, the default behavior is that the quad will automatically scale to whatever the native resolution of that asset is. So in this case, it's 1181 by 788. And if I apply that to my quad, the quad now snaps to 1181 by 788. So we automatically have the right aspect ratio and the right resolution. And the beautiful thing about that is our scale remains the same. So now we're scaling symmetrically in the correct aspect ratio. And we don't have to worry about our image getting skewed or, or augmented in any kind of way that we don't want it to. All right, pretty, pretty straightforward so far. Now, you can really start getting creative with materials by adding additional shaders um, to an existing material. So I've applied the Canadian flag as a texture to layer one, but there's nothing stopping me from adding additional textures or additional shaders, I should say, on this same layer. So maybe I want the Canadian flag to look like a reflective surface. I want to add some kind of metallic effect or... Um, I want it to look shiny. Well, we can add specularity, that's one way. But we can also add a shader type called a reflection map. 
And a reflection map is very similar to a texture. Um, the main difference being that a reflection map uses a spherical reflection method. So instead of the texture being sort of pasted on the surface of my object, imagine that texture now painted on the inside of an imaginary sphere that you can't see. And if you were standing inside of that sphere with a mirror, and you change the position of that mirror or oriented the mirror, you're going to see a different portion of that image reflected back at you. So that's the principle we're employing when we do a spherical reflection. So I'm going to select a reflection map. And that's going to apply as another shader on my existing material layer. So I've got layer one texture and reflection map. And the order of these shaders is important because we draw in descending order. So we draw layer one first, we draw the texture next, and we draw the reflection map after that. So that's very important when you're setting these things up because the order that they're drawn in will greatly affect um, how the end result looks. So I want the reflection map over top of my Canadian flag, which is why it's the last item being drawn. Um, so we'll go search for a texture file. And I mean, you can use anything as a reflection map, but generally speaking, you know, some kind of, you know, atmospheric or environmental shot, you know, the picture of a landscape or, you know, maybe a blurry image of the inside of some room. Um, you know, if this was a stadium application, maybe I take a panoramic photo of the inside of the stadium and then I use that as my reflection map. So as these objects move around, it looks like they're reflecting the inside of the arena or the stadium that we're supposedly in with our graphic, right? So can pull off some pretty neat effects with this. So I'm going to use this environment image as my reflection surface. And now you'll see the effect that that creates on the surface of this object. I now have this sheen or this reflective effect that moves across the surface of my flag based on its orientation in my 3D environment. So that's that spherical reflection effect that I was talking about earlier. That environment picture is basically painted on the inside of an imaginary room. And now my, my quad is essentially reflecting that back at me from different angles as we moved around inside the scene. All right. We're going to go into a new scene and we're going to work with video this time around. And when you're working with video, it's the exact same principle. So we're going to go ahead and this time I'm going to use a, a cube just for something different. And the reason I'm going to use a cube is a cube is, is somewhat unique in the sense that it has multiple faces that we can apply a material to. So if we look at our material manager, um, underneath our material folders, you'll see another list that says face has two columns, a face column, and material column. Now, this is displaying all of the faces on this cube. So I have a front, back, left, right, top, bottom face. And then it also displays the bound materials on each one of those faces. So for instance, if I want to put the Canadian flag on the left hand side or the left face of my cube, I can just rotate my cube like this. This is the left face. So what we'll do is we'll take this material and we'll drag it to the left face. And now that Canadian flag is applied to the left side of the cube. Now on the front of this cube, I'm going to apply a video clip. So in our material manager, I'm going to create a new material. And this time around, I'm going to select new video. All right, so I'm going to put a video shader on layer one. So we'll grab our video. And again, through the magic of television, I have some video clips in my video folder. So just like the images folder, there's a corresponding video folder in your expression project folder. 
it's a good idea to populate that with the clips you're going to be using when you build your project. So I'm going to select my um, background clip, SWBG, and we're going to open up that video. Now, this, these clips have been encoded in the expression video format. And if you have not yet gone through the process of using our video coder or working with our codec, I suggest you um, check out the tutorial on using the expression video coder. And then you'll know exactly what we're talking about here. But these video clips have been encoded into our proprietary codec. It's an AVI file, so any expression video clip you see will be an AVI, but we're using our own codec. And it's very efficient, um, very lightweight, um, and it allows for very, very effective playback of clips in, in a variety of formats, be it SD or HD. So I'll select this clip. We'll select open. And you'll see we now have this clip wrapped around our material. And again, I'll switch this to quad. And this is a 1920 by 1080 clip. Its duration is 1,202 frames. So it's 40 seconds. Slightly longer than 40 seconds. Um, now, because this is a video shader, it has a specific set of options here that relate specifically to video. For instance, I have uh, run mode options. So in my run mode options, I can set this up to loop, play once, um, stopped, or ping pong. So if in play once mode, it'll play once from beginning to end and then stop on the last frame. If it's stopped, it's just holding on frame one. If we're in loop mode, it'll loop um, over and over and over again. And if we go to ping pong, it's basically a loop, but it's a forwards reverse loop. So it'll play forwards and then it'll play backwards. So I'm going to just keep this in loop mode. And I'm going to, going to make another selection here that says auto start. Now what auto start does is it ensures that when we put this scene online, so when we actually output this scene on one of our frame buffers, the clip will automatically start for us. All right. There's another option here called free running. Now what free running does is it basically loops the clip in the background constantly. So if you were coming in and out of this scene, so if we were taking the scene on air and then we took it off air, the whole time the scene was off air, we'd still be running through the frames in that clip. So there's no guarantee that you're ever going to come back to the same frame. So it's free running in the background constantly and the clip never really restarts on command. It's just constantly looping. So whatever your preference is there, um, you can go ahead and make those selections. So I'm going to enable auto start and loop and we'll click OK. And then I'm going to apply this material to the front face of my cube. So we'll drag this onto the front face and there's our clip. Now I'm going to change the scale of my cube and we can adjust the width and the height as well. We know that that clip is 1920 by 1080. So therefore we could actually change the width to 1920 and the height to 1080. And now we essentially have an HD cube. Right, so I've got my flag on the left-hand side. I've got the clip on the front side. And if we want to see that clip looping, all we have to do is enable the show or hide continuous animations option in your viewport, which is this button right at the top of the screen. And that'll actually allow you to see the looping clip on the surface in your uh, viewport. Now, there are other ways we can control video uh, more dynamic ways that we can control video that we're going to cover in later tutorials. Specifically, when we get into keyframed animations, we'll start talking about different ways that we can control video clips on a more um, frame, in at least a more frame accurate way. 
where you may want to have clips start at a certain frame in your scene instead of just looping in the background. But for quickly putting together backgrounds or having a looping clip on a surface somewhere in your scene, this is easily the, the quickest and easiest way to do it. And I could apply that clip to multiple objects simultaneously. And because it's the same material applied to more than one object, you'll see that the clips are actually uh, rolling synchronously. So if I were to make a sphere, for instance, here's my sphere, and we'll apply that same material to the sphere. And now you'll see that I've got the same clip on the outside of the sphere as I have on the cube. And they're moving perfectly in sync with one another because it's the same material. The clip control is happening from the material. Which leads us to another important point. Materials are global assets. And if you've seen the tutorial on fonts, this is sort of a theme within expression. We have a lot of different um, assets that you'll use in your project that are global. They can be reused on multiple objects across multiple scenes. And changing those assets will change those scenes together. So you'll have sweeping changes across your project by, uh, by making changes here. Now, there's huge advantages to doing this. Maybe I want to swap out this clip, but it's a, you know, a, a station logo or something like that that I have placed in hundreds of scenes within the same project. I want them all to change simultaneously. Well, all I really have to do is change that one material. So to illustrate my point, I'm going to make a new scene and we're going to make a quad and we're going to put that same clip on the quad. So now I have a quad that's referencing that clip. I have a sphere and a cube all referencing the same clip in two different scenes. If I go and make a change to this material, let's say I change the diffuse color, right? So let's change the diffuse color to blue. So now we're, we're adding this blue tint to that clip. Well, that has now translated through every scene that's referencing that material. So this is what we talk about when we, when we use the term global assets in expression. Now to break that link, it's the exact same process as you would with fonts. So whichever order you're viewing these tutorials in, um, you may have already seen this, or this may be the first time you've seen this uh, principle. But if I want to break the link and I want to have this material not be tinted blue, right? so let's change this back to our white diffuse color. But in this scene, I want my video clip tinted blue. Well, all I have to do here is duplicate this material. So we'll go to our material, we'll right click, and we will duplicate, and that makes another material which we can then apply to this object. Now, they're essentially the same, but we've now broken the link because we've duplicated the material and made a new unique instance or a copy of that material. So I can go ahead and change its color properties, and those will only affect this scene now. So if we go back to scene three, no color. Scene four, we have the color applied. All right. Now there's a whole host of other things um, you can do with materials. These are some of the basics, um, using images, using video clips, using reflection maps. We'll cover some more advanced techniques um, in a later tutorial. But if you're looking at the material manager and you want to start experimenting, you'll see that there's a whole host of other shaders that we can work with. We can work with render views, bump maps, refraction, um, live source, gradients, window captures. These are all different shader types that we haven't yet talked about. Um, but we'll want to explore in greater detail in a later tutorial. So 
go ahead and start experimenting. I'm sure some of you out there will figure these out pretty quickly. And there are some pretty powerful features within the material editor when using these shaders. But this has been an introduction to materials. Uh, I hope this gets you all started on the right track and uh, really having fun and exploring some creative ideas when working with materials. So I hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.